So some of you guys know how it works. My uncle Bud was a pastor. He wasn't really my uncle, but he was an only child, and my dad was an only child, and they grew up together. And so he's always been my uncle Bud, and and uh, that's my dad is Uncle Shiny because he's bald, and Bud's kids just called him Shiny, and so it's Uncle Shiny and Uncle Bud, even though they're not uncles. That's how we've always done it. So Uncle Bud was a pastor, and I can remember as a kid, I was in third or fourth grade, and I can remember him asking me to pray. Uh, sometimes we would be gathered for dinner at their house after church, and he would say, Darren, why don't you bless the meal? And so here's all of these men who were there, and obviously I saw him as a spiritual giant, and in comparison to me, he was a spiritual giant, but yet he would ask me to pray, and so I would pray. There were times when we'd take up the offering, and uh, I would be the one collecting the offering, and there would be other men who would be there, and he would call on me to pray. And even though uh, I was such a young age, thinking about that moment, it was uh, a quite, uh, I saw it as a privilege, I saw it was an honor, I, and I was still amazed that he would call on me to do that. Uh, because I was just a kid, I, I got saved, but I, but I was just a kid, I didn't... I didn't know all of the fancy theological <laughs> terms. I, I didn't know how to pray. And I don't know, maybe he just liked the short and sweet side of things. But anyway, he would often call on me. Whenever I come to this passage of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, I think about that instance. Uh, this morning, we continue journeying through the book of Thessalonians. Uh, we find ourselves in chapter 3. It's hard to believe we've made our way through 1 Thessalonians already. And here we are in the last chapter of 2 Thessalonians. So three, four more months, we should be done with 2 Thessalonians. But as we come to this passage this morning, I'm reminded of my Uncle Bud. And in this passage this morning, we see Paul's request for prayer. And we see Paul's reminder regarding prayer. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open up to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'll read it aloud and you can follow along with me in your copy of the scriptures. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning. It says, finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people. For not everyone is a believer, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we commanded you. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Father, we are so grateful for this day. Grateful for this opportunity, Lord, that we have just to come and to sit and to look into your word. And I do thank you, Lord, for the journey we've made so far through our study of these epistles to the Thessalonians. And I pray, Lord, as we open your word this morning, that we would hear from you. Lord, as we look at your word on our laps, I pray that it would be your word that would touch our hearts. Lord, we know there's nothing that I can say that's of any value. But Lord, as you speak to us, you can have eternal value. And so I pray this morning, as we look into your word, that your word would look into us. Grateful, Lord, for who you are, especially grateful today for your son, Jesus, and all that we have because of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. 
As we look at this passage this morning, the first thing we want to look at is Paul's request for prayer. Notice verse 1 with me. Paul says, finally, dear brothers and sisters. Now, I don't know how it is for you, but you read that word finally and you may think, hey, finally, we're going to be through with this study in 2 Thessalonians. But this word here that's used for finally, uh, and Paul is, uses this word, and this word means besides that, there is this. So Paul has been talking to us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 about the day of the Lord and about the fact that they hadn't missed out on the rapture. And then Paul says, besides that, there is this. So what this is, is a transition for Paul. He's transitioning from that, what he was just talking about, onto something else. This is a word that Paul uses on a number of occasions. There's a couple of epistles that he uses this word, finally, and then he goes on for two or three more chapters. Isn't that the way it works sometimes when our watch dings that it's noon and the pastor keeps on going? That's how Paul uses this word. But it's not finally as in, hey, this is my last point. It's finally as in, besides. Now notice what he says. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. This is the part that amazes me when I read this. Paul is talking to a young group of believers. This group of believers are believers that Paul himself led to Christ. Paul has known them. Uh, Paul, they have known Christ shorter than a shorter period. that he planted this church. So he's already been on one mission trip and he's in the middle of his second mission trip. Hey guys, pray for me. Even though they're young believers, he says, pray for me. Now, as we think about that, what an encouraging thing this is when you think about that. Because sometimes we think about praying, we think about And Paul says, hey, pray for us. Pray for us. Because as believers, we can go before the throne of grace. No matter how long it is that we've been believers, we can go to the throne of grace. Because Christ has opened up that throne of grace for us. And we may know more theological words than other people, but we're all open to come to that throne of grace, aren't we? And Paul says, hey, guys, go before the throne of grace. are in the midst of their own turmoil. They're facing persecution. Hey, why don't you guys pray for us? Why don't you pray for us? As you think about that, one of the best ways for us to be able to bear the things that are on our that's on their shoulders as well. And you know what? When we pray, pray with somebody, when we bear someone else's burdens, guess what happens? Yeah. 
It's kind of an exciting thing when we gather together and we share prayer requests. It's an exciting thing when someone asks me, hey, I, I heard about so-and-so and how's the thing with such and such? And I say, watch McCall. And then we go get candy bars. <laughs> Encouraging to know that somebody is curious and praying for someone else. Make a phone call to someone in the hospital and say, hey, how are things going? And they say, well, it's not good news. Hey, how is so-and-so doing? We saw on the prayer sheet that, that they're going through a tough time. How can we better pray for them? And I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. You're in the hospital. Do you understand that? Yeah, we are. But we're already praying. We might as well add to our prayer list. And isn't that how it works? And isn't it great when you're one of those who's on the receiving end of that prayer, knowing that your burdens have been lifted as well? And so what a great thing. So Paul, as he's writing to them, he's not saying, hey, here's more for you to carry. He's like, hey, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Pray for us as you think about it. And notice something here. We ask you to pray for us. This word that's used here is in present tense. This is the idea of being in continual prayer. He's like, continue what you're doing. We know that you're already praying for us, but continue praying for us. And that's what his request is, is this thought of, of continual practice. And Paul is requesting prayer for his ministry team. And you know, as we think about Paul in this, making this request, I think there's a good reminder here that Paul is a man of prayer. Paul is a man of prayer. We have seen Paul as a man of prayer. We've seen his practice as a man of prayer. This is 2 Timothy chapter 1. He's writing to Timothy. He says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. This was no stretch for Paul. Paul was someone who regularly prayed night and day for those. One of the things that I appreciate about Darcy's mom is we would call her and we would talk to her and say, how was your night, mom? And she'd say, I was up all night. I woke up at two o'clock and I just started praying for you. Started praying for so-and-so in your church. I started praying for this and that. And she said, I probably prayed for a couple of hours before I fell back asleep. And that was just her regular day-to-day -day routine. It was just day and night in prayer. And this is Paul. This was his day and night routine, frequently praying. And you know, Paul frequently prayed for the people of Thessalonica as well. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 2, he said this, we give thanks to God always for you, for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And so Paul, as he's talking about the people of Thessalonica, they were a group of people that he was regularly praying for, regularly lifting them up. And as we think about that, Paul had encouraged the people of Thessalonica to be in prayer, to be men and women of prayer. He wanted them to be men and women of prayer. It was in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 that he said this, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And now he's telling them, continue to do what you're doing, praying for us. So he knew that as they were this group of people, he'd encourage them to be people of prayer. He knew they were in prayer and he just encourages them to keep on praying. 
Because Paul saw the importance. Paul saw the value of prayer. And so he requests prayer because he knew how important prayer was for his ministry. Now notice what he asks them to pray for. He shares some requests. After he requests prayer, ministry would be effective. He wants them to pray that the message of Christ would spread rapidly. You know, as we think about the message of Christ spreading rapidly, this was something that we saw in the early church. In Acts chapter 6, we see this. The word of God kept on spreading. The number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. That was Verse 24 says this, the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts chapter 19, verse 20, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. In the book of Acts, we see that the word of God just spreading. And the harder they tried to stomp it out, the more the word of God spread. And that's what Paul is, is requesting here. That's what Paul is wanting them to, to pray about. Now, as Paul is writing this, Paul is writing this from... trying to plant this church and to see people come to know Christ. And Corinth was as heathen as it is. I mean, we think about Las Vegas being the city of sin. Corinth, twice as impressive as a city of sin. And he's in the city of sin. And he says, pray. Pray that the word of God would spread rapidly. Pray that the gospel message would be like wildfire. Paul and his ministry team the gospel message need to be believed and need to be received before after it's believed and after it's received then someone else must take it and share it and that's what we see happening in the book of Acts and that's what Paul is praying about is let that spread last week when we were together we saw that the gospel begins with God the salvation of souls begins with God. Why would we not go before God and intercede on behalf of the lost? That the Even though he's a great missionary and been all over the world, that it's only God who can stir in arms. It's only God that can open eyes and open ears to receive the gospel. And that's his prayer. It's pray that the gospel would spread rapidly, that hearts would be caught on fire. And Paul's asking the people of Thessalonia to pray for him because the people of Corinth needed the gospel. The people of Corinth needed just as when it came to you. You know, those who hear the gospel message, they must recognize that it's the word of God. Sometimes people will say, well, that's just some man's writings. That's just some thought that man came up with. But you know, the Bible is not a book that man would write if he could. And it's not a book that man could write. Read 
in Scripture, we see that God led these men along, making them record what he wanted them to record. So every word that we see of the word of God, we know that it's from God. And as we think about it, it's, it's, it was written by 66 different authors over 1,600 years, and it has one theme, Jesus Christ. Even though it was over all of those years, the theme does not change. It's Jesus Christ. It's the word of God. It's the message of God. It's not honored. It's going to be shunned. My brother and I fought like dogs. My dad doesn't like cats, so we couldn't fight like cats and dogs. But there were times that I would go out and I would share stuff with my brother just to get him in trouble. And then there were things when I was sent on a mission directly from the Almighty, my dad. And uh, I would go out with that message and I would tell him. And my brother would do it. And when I went out there and I said, Dad says, things changed. Things changed. Not because I was authoritative, but because I had the authority of my dad behind me. And this is the message that's going to be going out, is the message of God. And it needs to be seen with that kind of authority. It needs to be received like that. My brother would shun the message if it wasn't from my dad. But if it was from my dad, it would be received. He says, and let it be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. You see, the people of Thessalonica heard the word of God as Paul shared it, and they received it as the word of God. They honored it as the word of God, and they received it as the word of God. This is what Paul wrote to them in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, the word of God. It is at work in you believers. You see, they recognized it not as man's word, but they recognized it as the word of God. And as a result, they received it. And the darkness that had a hold of the people of Thessalonica was driven back. First Thessalonians 1 verse 9 says this, where they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols. darkness, seeking things other than God. And the message of Christ came to them, the message that they recognized as God, they received that, they believed that, and their lives were changed. And they were rescued out of that darkness and brought into the light of Christ. And as a result of that, Paul looked at them, he saw their lives transformed, he saw growth in them, and he saw multiplication. This is 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 6. And you... with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. 
You see, they received the message of Christ. It changed their lives. And then they went out proclaiming the message. And this is what Paul is praying is, hey, pray for the people of Corinth. Now to people in Macedonia and Achaia, let the people of Corinth do the same thing, reaching out and changing lives. The gospel message must be received. The gospel message must be believed. And the gospel message must be proclaimed. And that's how it spreads like wildfire. That's what happened in Thessalonica. And that's what Paul was hoping would happen in Corinth. Now look what he asks for prayer next in verse 2. Pray to is a believer. Paul and his ministry team needed protection. Paul and his ministry team did not let persecution deter him. They continued to go and proclaim. They faced all kinds of persecution. Even from the very beginning of Paul's life as a Christian, he faced persecution. This is in Acts 9, verse 28. He went in and out among them at Jerusalem. against the Hellenists, that's a sect of the Jews, but they were seeking to kill him. He hasn't been a Christian for very long, and he's telling others about Jesus. He was telling the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah, and they wanted to kill him, but he continued to go. He continued to proclaim. Acts 14, verse 19, Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds Paul continued to proclaim. Now notice, this is Acts 14. Acts 14, verse 19. Notice this verse. Acts 17, verse 5. Now, I'm not sure about Common Core, but with Common Core, does 17 come after 14? Even with Common Core. I know in the old math it does, uh, but I wasn't sure about the new math. Acts 17 comes after being Taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob. They set the city in an uproar and they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. This is Paul ministering in Thessalonica. This is Paul bringing the gospel to this group that he's writing this letter to. You guys know the persecution that I faced. I faced persecution when I was with you. I faced persecution when I first came to know Christ. Persecution comes. It didn't. He knew that God was in, in, in care of him. And so he asked him to pray. Paul telling the people of Thessalonica, pray for our safety. Notice he said that pray that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people. Uh, that word for wicked carries the idea of people being capable of outrageous harm, of stoning him. Pray for the wicked. He says pray for the evil. That speaks of those Unbelievers were making things difficult on Paul. Unbelievers were seeking to deter 
Paul and to deter the gospel. But the gospel continued to go forth. And Paul said, pray that it continues to go forth. That was his request. That was his request. That was what he was desiring. But notice what Paul says next. Paul shares this reminder regarding prayer. He says in verse 2, Pray too that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer, but... There's a change of course here. All of this is going on. It's terrible. They rejected the gospel. They hate me for it. But God is faithful. What a great reminder for us. God is faithful. The Lord is faithful. This is not the first. This is not the first time that this has been shared, that God is faithful. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Paul held on to the faithfulness of God. When Paul was facing difficulties, he reminded himself and thought on the faithfulness of God because Paul knew that God was faithful. Pray for us because we know that God will not abandon us. Pray for us because we know that God is faithful. God will watch over us. This is in 2 Timothy 4, verses 16 through 18. Paul says this, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Paul is standing before the governors here, giving an account of what he's been doing. Verse 17, The Lord stood by me. He strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Paul at the end of his life. And he says, you know, as I look back at my ministry, God has been faithful. God has rescued me from the mouths of lions time and time again. And you know what? I'm looking forward to graduation day because I know I'm going to be in the presence of God. Because God is faithful. And he tells them, pray for us. Continue to pray for us. Because God is faithful. What a great reminder for us as we think about praying. God is faithful. God is faithful. Notice what he says in verse 3 as it continues. It says, he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. For the people of Thessalonica, it felt like an uphill battle for them. Because they were facing persecution and it just continued to come. And he says, hey guys, there's good news. God is faithful. He will strengthen you. He will guard you from the evil one. Paul says, reminds them that, that he's the one who will strengthen. He's the one that will help them to stand. And Paul knows this because it's happened to him. We saw that in 2 Timothy. He strengthens. He'll help you to stand. 2 Corinthians 4.16, he says, we don't lose hearts. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed 
day by day. You see, Paul knew that God was faithful. He knew that God would protect. Look at verse 4. We are confident in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things that we've commanded you. Paul was confident that the Thessalonian believers would continue in obedience. He saw them in obedience. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that you, he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. He had seen it in them. He had prayed that it would happen, and he saw it happening in them. And he knew it would happen in the people of Corinth that they would continue in their obedience. 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 7, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Verse 9, for they themselves reported concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. He was sure that obedience would continue. And it did continue. And it would continue. And he also knows and desires that they would continue in spiritual growth. Look at verse 5. May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. Paul desired for there to be continued spiritual growth. He wanted that growth to be there in their midst. He didn't want them to remain where they were, but he wanted them to grow. He wanted God to continue to lead them in that full understanding. And you know that only, help, that only happens when we're growing spiritually. When we're growing spiritually, we continue to move towards that full understanding. And I mean, even today, as I read things even today, I look and go, oh, that's what that's talking about. Pieces are still coming together as I grow spiritually and as I mature spiritually. But we need that. Notice what he says, grow in understanding expression of the love and patient endurance that comes from Christ. That's what the people of Thessalonica needed, was that patient endurance. James speaks about this, James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul, as he thinks about the people of Thessalonica, he knows they're in a tough spot. He knows they're facing difficulties. But he wanted them to see that these difficulties would cause them and allow them and enable them to grow in their maturity. That's what he wanted to see happen. That's what his desire was for them to happen. So there you have it. Paul's request for prayer and Paul's reminder concerning prayer. So what do we take home from this as we think about prayer, as we think about what Paul has laid out for us? You know, as I was reading this and I was thinking about this, this is one of Paul's earliest letters. And yet in this request, in this letter that he writes, he requests prayer. And you know, it doesn't matter where we are in life. 
We never grow beyond the need for prayer. We never do. My mom used to introduce me as her baby. My mom is five foot four. Uh, I was that I was that tall when I was a freshman in high school. I mean, but I'll always be your baby boy. I'll always be that. It won't change. It doesn't matter how old we are. We'll still be that baby. It doesn't matter how old we are. We still need prayer. If we think that we don't need prayer, we are fooling ourselves or we're living an outright rebellion against God. We never outgrow the need for prayer. I think as we read this, I think it's important for us to pray for the word of God to spread. As we think about our missionaries, as we think about them serving, sometimes we don't know what to pray for them about. Pray that the word of God would spread. That wherever they share the word of God, that the word of God would spread like wildfire. If you think about things to pray for me, pray that God would use me, that the word of God would spread as God uses me, that we would see an impact as a result. When you think about the different ministries at our church and you think, man, I don't know how to pray. Pray that the word of God would spread. You know, pray that we would see people come to know Christ in our Sunday school classes, in our, in our youth group, in our children's church, in our morning services, in our men's Bible study, in our ladies' outings. Whatever we do, uh, even empty nesters, you know, pray that the Word of God would, would have an impact. When you hear of funeral services that are being done and you see the pastor's name there, pray that the gospel would be proclaimed. Pray that the gospel would spread like wildfire at those services. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I used to be a Schwann's man. <laughs> and I was working with this guy, his name was Corey. And uh, Corey was about my age, and Corey and his wife both got uh, married at an old age. They were uh, 18, and they got married, loved each other since the second grade. Uh, they weren't cousins, uh, but they, they had to be married, and so they got married. And they are just married for a couple of years. They were like 20, maybe 21, and one of their friends from high school was killed in a car accident just unexpectedly. And both of them went to this funeral, and they were sitting there in the funeral, and it was the first time that they'd really been impacted by death. And the, the pastor at the funeral service shared the gospel, and he told them that they needed to turn to Christ if they wanted to be saved from their sins. And he shared with them the plan of salvation, how, how because of Adam and Eve, sin had come into the world. Because of Adam and Eve, they were separated from God. Because of Adam and Eve, they couldn't rescue themselves. They needed a rescuer to come. And God chose the perfect rescuer and sent the perfect rescuer into the world to rescue them. And Corey says, as he sat there, he heard that. And for the first time, he realized he was a sinner. For the first time, he realized the reality of death. For the first time, he realized he needed Christ. Amen. And he got up and the pastor gave an invitation. And he got up and went to the front and he looked over and his wife was right beside him. And 20 years old, they both received Christ at a funeral service. Because the word of God spread like fire. Because God used that moment to touch the hearts of those two teenagers. And they came to know Christ. And so as we think about 
the word of God being spoken. Pray that the word of God, when it's spoken, would spread. That it would be like the coronavirus and infect everyone. Pray that God would have that kind of impact. Pray for protection. So we think about our missionaries. We think about people going into the world. Pray for protection. You think about your Sunday school teachers, you think about your pastors, you think about missionaries. Pray for protection. Pray that God would protect them. Pray that God would protect the message. That that message would continue to go forth. Remember that God is faithful. As we see obstacles in our own lives, as we see obstacles in the presentation of the gospel, remember that God is faithful. Remember that God will strengthen us. That God will guard us. Prayer is important. And remember that prayer is important and God is faithful. God is faithful.